Today, my guest is Laura Plunkett. She's back. Is this your fourth or fifth webinar? This is my sixth, baby. Six. Woo. I lost count. Her yeah. sixth webinar. We love to have Laura with us. She's a great friend and a super person and um, always an interesting uh, conversation. And we're looking forward to today. So welcome, Laura. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm excited for this. It's been so much fun to prepare for it. So some people may not know who you are or what you do. So if you, for those that may be tuning in and haven't haven't met you before, just uh, give us a little bit of your background while I take a sip of water. <laughs> um, yes, so my background, I've been around horses my whole life and I'm 57, so that's a long time. Um, so my background is in horses and then right around when I was 35 and a very big skeptic, I realized I was getting a lot of information that couldn't have known. And it started just, you know, how you can be, you know, the phone rings and you know who it is, or you just have a sense that you're supposed to call someone and they say they're thinking. And then, you know, you and I have talked uh, also, all of a sudden I'd be watching a sports event and I could see what was going to happen next 10 out of 10 times. Like it just would be right there. I'd say, oh, he's going to throw for a touchdown. Oh, he's going to strike out, whatever it was. So, you know, then I started to put some practice into it and to and we're talking about animal communication, just in case people aren't. Are we're, yes. So, well, it, all kinds of intuition led me to um, really focus on horses. And I do talk to some dogs and um, furry friends. So I'm here because I love working with you. I love all our time together. We always have fun. And I, um, I was looking back. Today is going to be getting to know your new horse and developing trust. But I did, as I wrote this, I was very aware that any, this will apply to any horse relationship, I think, because every day we're being asked in our relationships with people and animals to sort of be present and to be open to whatever else we can still learn. So you may feel like you know your horse, but um, I hope some of these tips will apply um, to multiple horses that a person watching might have, you know. And Laura, to help people understand, you know, there's a, uh, just yesterday I was talking to a good friend of mine and he was very skeptical about animal communication. So um, how do you, like, if you're at a party and you have to explain it to someone, how do you describe what you do? Like, well, one answer, you know, you can answer that in so many ways, but I would say that I get quiet in my mind and I get curious it's like, you know, when you answer the phone, if you didn't have caller ID, <clears throat> but you felt like whoever was calling was a good thing. And you know how you kind of, all you do is you wait to see like what's coming in, your brain isn't doing too much, that that's sort of the action I take. And I would say that although I, for many years of my life was skeptical about all of this, that animal communication for me is really about validation, about ask verification and about double checking. And that it's a skill, you know, as a experienced horse person, you could look at a horse with your eyes and you make all kinds of assessments and then you can listen and you'll hear something in the beat, right? That we use our other senses. And I would say this adds to what's available to us and that you can um, really, You can be skeptical and you can still prove to yourself that this stuff is real. So I don't know if that completely answers your question, but one of the things that's an easy party trick with horses, and I sometimes talk about this with people, is that it's very practical. And if you have a horse 
that is afraid of the farrier and typically will not pick its feet up. And then you, in your mind, send a photo to your horse saying, with your heart open, and you say, hey, the farrier's coming, and you picture the farrier. And then you picture them lifting their feet, and lo and behold, the next thing you know, the appointment went better than it's ever gone. Do you know what I mean? Then that we can call it animal communication and say, oh, that's so weird or woo woo, but really, it's just extremely practical and efficient. So, so there, there's always that piece of intention. And by visualizing things, we're setting an intention, which, um, you know, there's so much written about intention, visualization, mirror, mirror neurons, you know, create, um, like uh, practicing in our mind. I was just living, listening, uh, it's a really great book, The, Pow the Power of Habits. And um, they talk about Michael Phelps and how he uh, um, would visualize his swim. And it was so planned out in his mind that he just executed what was already there. Yes. So this whole idea, we have no clue about the power of our own mind. We use so little of it in a conscious way. And there's so much untapped potential um, that this is just in a way, simply honing a particular skill of that untapped potential right. in a direction that, that um, allows for perception, allows for intuition. Um, and, you know, I always love with you because you're like, you know, don't take my word for it. <laughs> you, know, you said that to me so often, don't take my word for it. Um, and, and I just wanna say like with my horse, he's, he's not overly, Physically, he's not overly effusive. And so he's been a hard read. I know you've had a hard time reading him, but we have a hard time reading him other than he's like a sweetheart. But, you know, where do you hurt? What's going on? You know, we're just. Yeah. So And today, so one thing that you like that I said last time, I always tell people, whatever you hear through me when I'm talking to your animal, you filter it through your own common sense before you act on it. And I'm not a vet, but it might give you a question to ask the vet. Right. Right. Same right. thing. If you're watching your horse trot, you're still going to say to the vet, what do you think yeah. of what I'm seeing? Right. So we're not we're not acting like this is the be all end all. But at the same time, I teach classes with people that have never done it before. And all of a sudden they'll be like, oh, I knew that I got that. I heard that. And just have one little piece. And you told a story one of the webinars back about you could feel your horse was thirsty. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And when you've had an experience like that, it makes you want more. Why not? Yeah. No, but that, listen, I had. Oh, go ahead. OK, well, I'm just going to say that, you know, I when I first got Andy, I'd only had him about eight, six, eight weeks. And I had hauled him to Seattle. That's a long story. But on the way back, I stopped in Colorado and he spent the night in a round pen and I'm in my comfy bed sleeping. Yeah. And I heard like somebody talking to me. I'm out of water. And I was, my thought was, what do you mean you're out of water? I left you with two big buckets. You can't be out of water. And I went down to the round pen and he was out of water. See, so that's what I mean. Very yeah. helpful. All right. So what I am going to do. Oh, let me say that I looked back and we, this is a year. So my first webinar with you was April and it was how to's, how to do this. Lots of tips on just teaching yourself and how to help your animals during the pandemic. So that oh, we've right. done. Yeah. Yeah. We've done it. And that was a year ago. Little did we know we'd be. You know. And there is a playlist on the Surefoot YouTube channel. Uh, that's Laura Plunkett's webinar. So you don't have to search through 196 of them. You can just go to her playlist. <laughs> and I love that. 
And I would reckon there's so many on there, though, you do for everyone watching. You have to watch all 196. <laughs> I still want to. It's there. There's so much value in what you're doing. But let's. OK, so I did in May. So I did April, the how to's in the pandemic. May, what horses care about most. That was fun. All the themes. August, working with shutdown horses, mm-hmm. which was dear to my heart and and still is a passion. We did one with Shari Goodwin, putting ideas into place because oh, we all have great ideas, but how do you make them happen? That was really fun. And then I did um, the one end of life, giving your horse aid and comfort toward the end. And um, still have to say Joyce Harmon's just still touched my heart so much too. I'm really glad. And may I recommend, I think another really good topic because today is gonna be getting to know your new horse and developing trust but I would love to watch a webinar unless you've already done it on how to choose a horse. I have not. Um, just, I'm not saying, I, I just, you know, to think if you know anyone. It's an important discussion and I, I need to find a co-host to do that with because I have, I know who I can do that with. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Um, all right, you're gonna watch the chat, right? I'm on this, okay. So I did want to say that although I'm going to talk about getting to know a new horse, you're going to find for anyone listening that you can use this with any horse relationship. And I was just at Misty Meadows on Martha's Vineyard and I was teaching the instructors and we were using Jasper, who you know, Wendy. And it was so wonderful to have everybody step back from a school horse that people are very familiar with. And to be able to say, okay, let's get rid of everything we've ever thought about this horse. And we're able to see a lot more. So um, this is about dropping all preconceptions. So I made a list just to give people a sense of the agenda. I'm going to talk about um, ways to establish the relationship in general. Some ideas I have that I've learned from animal conversations I've had. I'm going to talk about how to send information and what you might wanna be thinking and visualizing when you're getting established routine with a horse. And then I'm gonna talk about a ton of detective work. All these little things you can do. So what I've done is take conversations, themes, examples from my mind and said, now if I wasn't using animal communication, how would I still suss out some things that horses have told me? So it's gonna be fun. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, and I want to start with pads because I think they epitomize all of this. So can you pull up yep. the pads video that I sent you? Hang on. Uh, hang on. I got to just get some things off my desk so I can find that one. <laughs> <laughs> so what I want to say about pads is that they give you an opportunity to say to this horse that you're getting to know, and that is wondering about you and wondering what they can expect from this relationship. And you're basically saying, I'm gonna give you liberty, I'm gonna give you choice, and I'm gonna give you uninterrupted time to have an experience with something that's gonna make you feel good. So Wendy, why don't we watch this? Like I've lost control of my computer here for a second. <laughs> You're doing great. I can see the video. Can you see the whole horse? Because I have stuff. Yes. In the way. You can. Uh, yep. Okay. Because I can't. Um, all right. I'm going to go ahead and play then. So he's at liberty. This is a horse that had not 
had people who understood uh, body language of a horse in this sense. He had uh, been ridden a lot as a lesson horse when he was in a lot of pain in his stifles, in his hip joints, uh, in his sacrum. And this was a breakthrough for us. He learned to love the pads and we would sit. And then after he would get off the pads, he would be so much more physically comfortable and he would follow me around with a puppy, like a puppy. Whereas- and He was kind of a bit of a shutdown horse, wasn't he prior to that, if I got the right horse? This is Hunter. And when I met him, he would get rigid and turn his hind end toward me. And um, he was not overly aggressive. He would just shut down. He, his face would get incredibly stiff. So I'll just play that again. Uh, and let me know if it's not playing smoothly because I can't tell. Maybe someone from the chat could say, I'm, I'm seeing it fine. Okay, if you're seeing it fine, then everybody is. Um, and it's what's so fascinating about this horse is how he keeps tapping that hind foot. Yes. Um, so, so Laura, uh, from your sense of his body, can you describe what that he might be feeling? Yes, so for me, I feel a zing going up that right leg. You can see then he, he if you go back just a little bit, he has a spasm on the left, um, right right where oh, his right there. is. Yeah, and it really, it, there. So I'm feeling zinging up the right leg in a positive, like I'm having a neurological experience in my body from it and I'm allowing myself to be weak. So this is not a lame horse. This is a horse that can walk off fine, but he's giving himself permission to let that leg do whatever it needs to. The right is just having kind of a, a weird neurological relaxation experience. And, and then it sets off a spasm on the left, but he was always so stiff. And when he would get the pads, all of a sudden he would walk off much more comfortable. And, and of course you can see all this stuff happening in, in his muzzle as well. So it's going through his entire body. Yep, absolutely. And then he has that big release of a shake. And just imagine as a person, you know, how much, how, how much, you, I don't know, you, when you relax and all of a sudden you just go, oh, thank goodness, right? And he's having that with me. So when we talk about a relationship, you're saying, and also I'm not bothering him. I'm not trying to get him anywhere. I'm just letting him be. And I'm just there as a presence. So when we talk about what we want to offer a new horse, I'm proving to him that I'm, I'm, I'm open and safe while he's letting himself be vulnerable. All right. And what I um, also have heard clients say about these paths is that then you know what you're looking for, how your horse shows processing. So obviously Hunter's a big processor. But some people will say to me, oh, when I, what I learned from putting my horse on pads is he gets these little things right here on his cheek, you know, right on the sides of the cheek that shudder when he's having an experience. And I have to, when I'm riding him, I kind of try to peek and I have to wait for that. And I'll know that he just learned flying changes, right? Oh, so it's a way in which the horse, so, so like people, horses have patterns that tell us when they've sorted something out. And I think the pads, and that's why I wanted to start with them, they will teach you so much about a horse when you watch them react to the pads. Now, of course, some horses won't go on the pads. I'm not saying it's the answer for absolutely everyone, but it's such an equalizer. 
Well, and somebody could put a good, the tell. So the tell, yes. we get Thank this you, Janella. The horses tell on their own terms without our interference when we use the pads. And, you know, there's something for me like about, especially with a new horse, um, you know, I think that horses, I always tell my clients that it takes a year to get to know your horse, that you have to know it in all the seasons. Um, but with the pads, what I think we can probably sh um, shorten that in that yes. we, get, we, we get a sense of trust with that horse because we're not, we're saying this is something, would you like this? Sure. But I'm going to be cheeky and say that I think with my list today, oh. and I have a lot to get through, okay, so I think go. we can shorten it even more. Okay. Okay. So hopefully it'll be the kind of things that, that are fun to listen to. And um, let me just see. So yes. So pads, like really number one though, I love, I love what you're offering us and I take them with me to every appointment. And now Wendy sent me another set, which I'm very grateful. So I have a little more of a range. So thank you. Yep. All right, let's go. So ways to establish a new relationship. This is so key. I cannot underscore it enough. Horses do not understand why you send them away. So you could be the most committed owner in the whole world and think you're doing the best possible thing. You get a new horse, then you send it to a trainer. Then you send it to a, a, a hospital to be especially vetted out. They think you're shopping them around, especially if, so I'll get on with, with a horse and they'll say, you know, she's already brought me to three or four places to be sold. Ah. So when you're trying to establish a new relationship, if you do feel you need to put that horse on a trailer right away and go somewhere, I would, if any, at any point, if you could stay with and have some kind of leadership role or at least visit. And when you're visiting, be that horse's leader. So take them on a crop, you know, take them on a lead, take and do, um, because there's just so many misconceptions that then will in potentially set back that relationship in, in terms of the horse trusting you. It's just a, it's just a red flag. So. And, and what about like picturing the horse getting back in the trailer and going home? Yes. I've got a whole thing about sending information. So let me get to that. Um, so yes. I, and I would send, you are mine oh. every day. You are mine, whether the horse is going anywhere or right next to you. And we're going to talk about sending, but let me just, I'm looking at notes. Um, let's go right to sending. I'll jump around a little bit. When I talk about sending, it's horses really like pictures. All animals do. Mm -hmm. So when you're trying to send a message, and this would be a practical one, I'm going away and I won't see you for three days. All you need to do, it's incredible how helpful it can be. And you'll hear from, say, the barn manager, oh, he handled this a lot better this time. Or a dog sitter will say, wow, they were much less anxious. And then the day you said you'd be back, they're at the window. So what you do, they understand if you picture in your mind, you and the horse next to each other, right? Mm -hmm. And then you picture, I'm leaving, whatever. Just picture in your mind, you're walking out the barn door and it gets dark. And so you're in the dark and then it gets light and then it gets dark and then it gets light. And then you walk back. It sounds ridiculous, but I'm telling you, you should just try it. And, and I even had a client that we might both know, Carrie, who said to me that she did this 
And she did it so well that then she walked back in and the horse was uncharacteristically completely not paying attention to her. This is a horse that kind of mugs her for treats every time she walks in and out. The horse was like, you're not here. Oh, <laughs> so that's, a, that's when I'm talking about sending, it's either that where you're sending a picture, you're sending a motion, um, you can send emotion. So let's say you just know that your horse is grieving um, the, the past owner, cause I'm staying with new relationships. So you get a horse and you know that they just lost either a pasture mate or they lost a really lovely owner. Then you could just picture, I know you're sad and you send sort of a sadness to them, but also a love. So when I'm talking about sending, it's actually not half as complicated as hard as we think it is. It's just imagine if, if with empathy, your friend tells you something and you go, Oh, it's like that. It's just opening your heart to that situation and animals, for whatever reason, can really feel it. So um, it's your forever home. If you feel comfortable sending that message and you believe you're, that the horse has arrived and that's what you're offering, I would really say that out loud because some horses verbatim will tell me what their owners said and they, they actually, like the words are repeated in my head. Um, so they know what you're saying and you don't want to say this is a trial. I don't know if I like this horse. This seems like a bad situation. You want to be saying this is your forever home if it's true or this or something better is another one that, that owners can feel comfortable with. Like I will not send you to auction. If this doesn't work out, I'm going to find something that will. Or if it's a trial, just say this is what you can expect from this trial. Just be careful about your words and the messages that you're sending and what you're thinking. So it sounds like you, you want to, you don't want to, uh, what's the word for it? Everything's fine, even though it's not fine. You, you have to be genuine. Absolutely. And so you have to phrase what you're going to send in, in genuine uh, in a genuine meaning. In other words, if it is a trial, don't try to say, oh, it's going to be fine if it is a trial. Um, no pretending. Somebody's got some good words for me today. Yeah, um, it's perfect. Because again, like a best friend, how would you want it to be treated? And, it, and, it, and just be real. We talk about consonants and dissonance. Yes. Where you don't fake it. They know. But you also don't have to be messy. You just are allowing your body to be soft with whatever the truth is, as you would treat like someone you really care about. With kindness. Kindness. So another one, so forever home, or at least this is a trial where I really am hoping it's going to work. Um, safety messages. If you could just say you're safe, you're safe with me. I'm not going to hit you. There, um, I know what's around this barn. I've lived here a long time and there's no bears. Just think about if you were a horse. Don't say it if there aren't bears. Exactly. Don't say it if you're if you're if somebody was just, oh, Joyce just um she got a beautiful new birdhouse and put it up and she came home and it was destroyed. Because <laughs> we have bear all around here. Yes, so you can't do. say no bears. Yeah. But on Martha's Vineyard, you can even say no coyotes and no foxes. So it's just wherever you are. So so all right, let me stay with you are mine. Um, forever, this is whatever home, give them some information, you are safe. And in the safety, I had an interesting thing happen with a client who said that 
all her horses, she would open the gate and they would walk into the barn and go in their different stalls. But she had the new horse and he would walk along and then he would detour and he would go try to vary, right? Well, when I talked to him, he said, I don't know what's behind the barn. I don't know where she goes when she leaves us. I don't know what's in that corner. He's looking around as if it's a complete mystery. And so what she decided to do is her and her husband would, at the end of the day, they, for a couple of days, they would take a glass of wine. It was a big property. And they took that horse on a walk and oh. they let him look around. It's just, when you think about it, it's kindness. They don't know where they are. Well, and Sharon Wilsey talks about that, like uh, claiming a space and going around and touching like the walls of an arena or whatever. And I've just done that, like introducing my horse to a strange paddock. Um, so I want them to know where the fence is. These are the boundaries. Um, right. But yeah, you know, there's, I think one of the things that happens is it's such a habit for us, like we know the barn, that we forget that for this new horse, they don't know the barn and the other horses don't realize he doesn't know. So they don't bother telling him either. Like, <laughs> And they haven't been able to sniff that wash doll. And if you don't take them there for a week, how are they supposed to know what's around the corner? Right. And then they may even be shut down or they may not be curious. But to let them smell it, that you, you're just taking one little, remember with Dr. Stephen Peters, we're just taking down one increment of, of worry or uh, adrenaline, cortisol. And, um, you know, we, we have to remember that there is scent glands in the foot of the horse. So they can, they'll be, they'll want to smell that scent from the other horses. But the other thing, this, this makes me think of, you know, like I said, I've been listening to this habit book and one of the things he talks about are small wins. Yeah. And it sounds to me like just these, these are small wins that, that a horse can have, right? And then and they can have with them. That's my yes. point. Not just the horse having the small win, we can have the small win because we're saying, hey, you don't know what's around the back of the barn. Let me show you. It's a small win. It's a sharing of support. I have two pages of these, Wendy. We got to oh, keep going. Awesome. But yes. It's been so fun. Um, when I said, watch how you talk in front of them, I forgot to mention in my notes two things. I had a client who was, um, the horse was standing in front of me and he had a blue ratty blanket on. And he told me, um, he's so excited. He has this brand new green blanket. And I look at the woman, she says, no, this is what he has. And so I said, well, I'm sorry. He won't let it go. It's this really shiny, beautiful green blanket. And she says, oh, last night I was online and I bought him a new shiny green hunter green blanket, but he doesn't know. And it's not here, but it's coming. <laughs> okay. So I'm, this, this is not a joke. Like this happens. So again, what you're thinking and what you're saying. Um, I also, I talked about that lesson horse at Misty Meadows, Jasper. I've been playing with these ideas. And at one point um, his friend was, he was at Liberty in a paddock with me and his friend, his favorite horse, Finn was next to him on grass, next to us on grass. Mm. So here I am, uh, I wanna take Jasper out and I've got the halter in my hands and he is over at the fence paying attention to Finn and wants nothing to do with me. And so I just did my thing, which is I get quiet. I picture, I close my eyes, I pictured Jasper. I send the message. All I basically say is, if you wanna go play with Finn, you need to turn around, you need to put your head in this halter and I will close it. I will open the gate 
and we will go around. So he had to leave Finn to come to the center of the paddock to me. And I held it there because I got to walk my talk and see if any of this works. And literally, he looked around, he went back to Finn, he turned around, he walked over to me. I could barely breathe. My heart was pounding out of my chest because I couldn't believe I was watching it. But he sunk his head in and waited. And then he led me to the gate and he led me around like he knew what we were doing. Now, that's a fluke. I'm not going to say that I walk around having success like that all the time, but this is a real push on my end for people to take this seriously and try it. Okay. Um, the simple thing about this too is what have you got to lose? Right. You know, right. Uh, five seconds. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, okay. Respect uh, sending information. One thing you can send is that you respect that horse's bubble and there's been a lot of talk on your webinars about bubbles and Sharon Wilsey does a better job than I ever could but you know really being willing to watch your horse's body language and not just barge in so Sharon talks a lot about you know we take for granted we just open that stall up and walk in but then she put all of us in a clinic she put us each in a stall and we could feel what it was like to have someone open and invade our space just that simple motion of saying hello from outside and watching, does you does your, let your horse come to the front of the stall and then you go in or at least notice, do they get tight as you approach those kind of things. So that that's um, a big one in establishing that you're willing to listen and work that bubble out. Um, okay, cross ties. I am only speaking from what horses tell me, but there is a whole subsection of horses that find putting them on cross ties, a lack of respect for how good they are, for how smart they are, for how willing they are. You're taking away their right to move around, but you're also taking away their right to look around, to protect themselves if they need to, to get rid of a fly on their foot. Um, and so it's a, they are willing, they're, it's a constricting thing that you're asking them to do. So if you have a new horse, it might be worth seeing, do they already ground tie? Do they really need cross ties? When you walk away from them, if you say stand, will they stand? Because if you, if you don't ask them and then you just assume they can't, what I see in horses is then they're not happy. They came from a situation where they were respected and now all of a sudden they're not. Okay, so and just something to think about. It, I, I just want to put a caveat in here because I, my horses will stand in the aisle, but there's times that I put them on cross ties and times that I put them on one. And I would say all this means is minimizing it. Right. Absolutely. There's a million times you need cross ties. Well, if I'm going to go to the bathroom while after, you know, I tack my horse up and it's like, oh no. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to put them on cross ties. Um, and, and listen, there's a times you have to run into a stall. Yep. None of this, this is just, these are like little fun ways to help the relationship move forward. But it doesn't mean that you're not practical, right? And you're not doing what you need to do. Um, this is a big one. Well, and let's, let's just talk about this a little more because somebody's saying she doesn't like horses. Uh, I don't like ground tied horses for surefoot because they think they can't move. And, you know, th this is where I think what we have to look at you know, like a driving horse, if you do surefoot with a driving horse, they are taught to stand and they must stand when they're being uh, tacked up with their harness and hooked. So, um, you know, there, 
are some horses that they will, you know, they're not on cross ties, but they will not move. Um, and then there's some horses that are ground tied because of the job they do. And then there's some horses that uh, are, you know, are dependent on cross ties because they haven't learned how to stand. And that, you know, that's where sure. So, you know, I hate to get into the hard and fast rules. And that's why I say, you know, sometimes my horses are on cross ties. Sometimes they're ground tied. Sometimes they're on one tie. Um, and I, and it kind of depends on, um, the horse I'm dealing with, the situation, and I'm fortunate that I don't have other people in my barn aisle because there are some barns where the horse is required to be on cross ties because of the busy barn. And I'm only, but I don't want you to feel like I'm attacking cross ties. I'm only saying from my conversations with horses, these are things to notice. Your horse may already have skills. Is that, is that the ideal would be that the horse would stand without cross ties quietly in the barn aisle, right? That's the ideal. And then we have to look at the environment and say, is this safe? It's a busy barn with a bunch of kids and the horse wants to go down to a stall to his dinner. Is it safe? No. So I think it's, that's my, what I'm trying to say is I agree that I think cross ties are terribly restrictive and I, I'm very adverse to seeing horses on cross ties that are on sure foot pads because they can't put their heads down. And so, but the next piece of that is, you know, this has been an ongoing discussion on Surefoot fans page about cross ties, no cross ties. And sometimes people get a little bit um, uh, aggressive about the fact that there's a picture of a horse on cross ties because, you know, they know that that's not ideal. So I think that in this particular instance, we really have to look at the environment and the circumstances and what is the ideal and what do the horses say? And then where are we in this moment? Um, yes, and with ground tying, if you're worried that your horse is so shut down that they won't step off the pads because they've been trained, just do switch it up. So if ground tying means they have a halter on, take the halter off. If ground tie, like try to take away those cues, right? But you still right. wouldn't wanna hold, take them off the pad, not have them on the pads, but just try to it, let them know they have a choice, right? Right. And I right. guess, I guess the bottom line is that, you know, um, it, it's every circumstance is slightly different and we have to look at what is best in that moment. Um, knowing okay. what we, what the ideal would be, what we would really like. I yes. mean, my horse used to stand perfectly fine in the barn aisle till he realized that at the end, when I would bring him in, he'd get to go in a stall and have grain. So then suddenly he decided, well, I've come in, I haven't ridden yet. I'm going to go to my, <laughs> you know, so we, we have to really pay attention to what we're teaching to. We do. We do. Now, one other thing um, that horses complain about, she, they say to me, she's looking at me like I'm a project. Oh, I'm always a project. Like she yeah. looks at me and her eyes crinkle with worry. I'm causing her trouble. She's anxious when she looks at me. So we want to make sure that, I mean, you get a new horse because you have high hopes and you want enjoyment and you got that horse because you think it's beautiful or because you have things you want to do with it. And even if it does come up lame, that's just another adventure you're going to have with your horse. And so the more we can impart that. So in terms of sending messages, that's the, that's on my list, right? Is you don't want to look at them like they're a problem or a project to you because they sometimes report to me back. That that, that you know, that is a really interesting one because a lot of people nowadays, there's a lot of different contests 
And so people are getting project horses. Yes. Um, but I bet, I wonder if they almost feel like foster horses. <laughs> it's not really their home. They're just kind of there for a while. I don't know. Yeah. But I do think they really know the lens through which we watch them. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Um, just another thing. Okay, so I'm talking about ways to establish the relationship, right? I have, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention tick-borne illness. I can't tell you how many horses the person finds a year later that they're not really like this. They're not nutty. They're not um, dangerous. They're not acting out. They're not always sore. They're, they're sick. And so just getting that really good panel when you have a new horse and getting your baseline, I think I, you know, can't say enough about. Yeah. Um, and you know, um, I'm just going to put in a brief mention here. Joyce gave me a product to use on my horses called Slick Tick. Oh, what's that? Um, so it's kind of like Shoshin in that it makes the hair slippy. So the ticks slide off because you know, I've been going out on the trail and I came in the other day on Monday and I did a, a tick check and I was horrified. So everybody got their, from their knees down, everybody got clipped and washed and tick slicked uh, or slick tick. I'm not sure which way to say it. I, it's probably on Joyce's website, but it's the whole idea is to, to help be, the ticks not stick. Okay, cool. Um, and I was, you know, I hadn't heard of it before. And like I said, the one horse I've been riding out in the trails had the most ticks and um, I was horrified because I didn't realize they were that bad already. Um, yeah. So just, uh, I, you know, go to Joyce's Harmony Equine website and I'm pretty sure she's got it there because she had it. I'll just pop that in the chat. All right, cool. Um, detective work. All right, this is a whole category because it's so fun to just see what you can learn. So a lot of what I first talked about is all the sending, the messages you're sending. And now I wanna talk about what you might just observe. A lot of really good things have already been said in the webinars by Callie King and Andrea Wadey about observation and mirroring. So if people have uh, can just go online and, and think more about setting up a system so they make sure that you're just gonna sit there with no agenda and you're going to watch because you can learn so much from that. And you're also sending a message to the horse that you're patient and you're interested. Okay, um, this is a big one. Pay attention to where your horse goes for safety. Because when I'm talking to a horse, it's really easy to figure it out, they'll tell me. But you have a horse, you might not know the whole history. And I think there's three top categories, horses that, um, the people weren't their answer. People were either rough or neglectful, but they had horses. They were allowed out in a herd. And so when they, you'll, you'll have a horse that you realize feels better with company, with horse company and that you can get, okay. Another type of horse actually thinks you as the rider or the person next to them is the answer. And so when they get scared, they'll look to you and they'll trust you. And if you're anxious, they'll get anxious. But if you're calm, they'll stay calm, right? And then the third um, saddest is when I feel a horse or I'm talking to a horse that is having um, neither of those as an answer. They've never been able to get comfort on their own. Um, usually abuse situations, but can also just be really isolated with someone who didn't know what they were doing. And those are the horses that when they get scared, they escalate or they freeze. 
right? Because they they don't even have they don't look anywhere because they've never found a solution. Right. So being willing as a detective to figure out which of those your horse is, then you can start to work on it. So I have a client that I saw yesterday here on Martha's Vineyard and her horse has got to be over 17 hands. And when she got him, she wasn't the answer on the ground or in the saddle. And he was kind of jumping. He would just forget there was a person there and try to run to the nearest horses. Um, but now she has done enough to show him safety and little steps that on the ground, he's wonderful and he will turn right to her. Um, but on sat under saddle, he's still not. So just good to just good to know there's a way to work with it once you find yourself in that situation, but better to know where you stand. Um, another thing is uh, just gently palpating your new horse and watch for breathing changes. That will show you, you know, I know there's a lot about doing that for pain. There's all different methods to do pain assessment. But what I'm talking about is you're looking for concerns, just those subtle changes and patterns about where on their body, they're just not that comfortable with you. Um, and it will give you a hint at their history, at their fears and their preferences. And I think all of those are important. And when I talk to a horse, they'll tell me those things, but I think it can be just as evident if you just watch them uh, with curiosity, okay? Um, do you I have this as a checklist? What, huh? Do you have this as a checklist? I can. I can. Yeah, oh, someone no, just said it's really great because there's so many really great points here. Thank okay. you. I know I told you this has been the most fun. I haven't even gotten all the fun stuff yet, but let me keep going. Okay. Let me just jump ahead and say one of the fun things about this okay. is that, let me tell you. So I was talking to the head, the, the owner and executive director of a facility where they bring executives to work with horses. And she had just gotten like an 18 hand gorgeous dapple gray. She had been riding him, but she felt like she hadn't made a full connection with him. And so she called me, all right? I'm talking, so here they're on speaker, her and her husband who run this place together and they're in the indoor arena with the horse at Liberty. And she says, I still haven't got his complete buy-in and trust. So we start talking and he says, well, she won't dance with me. Literally, Wendy, he, she won't dance with me. She just tells me what to do. So I say, what do you mean dance? And he says, tell me, tell her to put her palm on my right front, the right front of my shoulder. So I'm repeating this and they're on speaker and I hear her husband go, oh my God. And she put it there and he backed up like two or three feet, three or two or three steps. So then he said, tell her to touch my rib, put do the same thing to my left side, my right side of my ribs or whatever. And there's her husband again. He just sashayed to the side. And then there was a spot. He told me these different spots and literally they were waltzing around the indoor arena. Wow. That's what I mean. Like you don't know what you're getting and what they're, what their idea of connection is. And I'll never forget it. I had chills as he just told me, this is what he wanted to do with her. Why can't we dance? And all she'd been doing, and I don't mean all in a judgmental way at all, but in his mind, she had just been tacking him up and getting in the arena and trying to figure out what he knew and didn't know. And so now she told me that they, from now on, she would spend 
time doing that as well as the other things that, you know, she wanted to do with him. So this is where I say, palpate, watch, see what, see what your horse does and doesn't know, see what they like. Um, all right, let's keep going. There is a whole subset of horses that are dealing with distracted and ADHD type of whirling up in their head. And when I watch them with, with soft eyes, you could almost see the busyness all around going around here, even if they're standing still, I can kind of feel it. But these are the horses if you so if you're looking at a horse with soft eyes and not having any preconceptions, it's really interesting to just ask yourself, how much time do I think this horse is got all his senses out here? And, and how much, what percentage do I feel he's sort of centered and calm in his body and himself? It's very similar. What I feel is very similar to what kids experience, horses get, which is every little thing outside them just pulls them out and they forget where their legs are. So one little tip that horses have taught me is you can take a hairbrush and you gently from the back of their ear down the length of their neck, you go all the way along one side of their spine and down the back leg, down to the pastern. And then you might do the same on the side and go down the front leg. Then you do it on the other side. And when they walk off, most of them are back in their, they're back in their body. Sounds like you're actually uh, combing the meridian lines. And it's very neurological. Yeah. So also, oftentimes I do that too with a horse that just can't, shows me they can't feel their extremities that well. You can do the same thing. But um, let me see, what else did I? Um, oh, and it helps with tripping mm. because horses that are distracted like that, they, if you, if you put them in touch with their feet, even if they're still distracted, somehow they coordinate their legs better. Mm -hmm. That's another one. Okay. Um, and they're very grateful. And they, they, I've had horses tell me they like it. Another one is a question mark of via detective. Are they peaceful or shut down? And you and I spent a whole webinar on shut down and yeah. freeze. So we're not going to spend a lot of time there. But if, if you could use that as a question mark in your own mind for your horse, it's a beautiful gift. Because if they are shut down instead of just feeling centered and quiet, there's a whole host of things you can offer them pads being a big one Absolutely. to help them wake up. Um, I already talked about how big is their bubble, but I talked about it in terms of the message you're sending, which is I respect you. And now this would be more, what do you want to know? And to pay attention, just learn about your horse. Um, okay. Really assess intelligence and their expectation of respect. And what I mean by that is you will get horses and I've talked to horses, they do not wanna do 20 circles. You're gonna find a horse that after four is stopping co cooperating because they're like, I did it well. I, my brain needs the new thing you wanna do. I'm too smart for this. And also it's not respectful. Well, so and, you know, we've, the word respect has been, um used and abused, if, if you will, um, to respect is to re, you know, to revisit is really what it means. Um, and we have taken it into, 
uh, meaning that, you know, they've got to give me respect. And it's like, um, it's become a command as opposed to a revisit uh, to, you know, introspection, it, that, that derivation of inspection, introspection, you know, revisiting. Um, so it's- I have to say the way I hear it in, a, in my head from a horse, it's pretty intolerant. It's pretty fed up. It's like, you're not respect, why should I do what she's saying? I've done it four times. She still wants it again. Well, and that's my, my point is that we've, we've lost this understanding of what, from our perspective, what I always think of is I have to respect the horse before the horse can respect me um, yeah. or anyone. Um, and it's to, but we've kind of gotten into this authoritative demand of respect instead of the understanding of, you know, revisiting, looking again, reevaluating, you know, in terms of my, my perspective towards you, right? Yes. Yes. And again, you may need to do a full dressage test and they've got to get it right. And I'm not saying that you completely change your behavior. All I'm saying is here we are with our detective work. If you want to get that horse to do flying changes and you've got a really smart horse who, who feels entitled to a break, if they've done everything really well, that's good to know. Yes. And, and because see what people fail to do is that because they haven't gotten it, they think that they have to do it over and over, even though the horse got it, and they may need to get on the ground and do it themselves. And that's kind of, that's where, you know, if we could step back a little bit and understand what respect is from our perspective to offer, you know, to revisit, to reevaluate what I'm doing with this horse that that would give them the space. In other words, we don't get into this uh, um, sort of angry. Right. You know, because nowadays respect has a lot of, if you will, anger behind it. He's not respect, you know, your your horse has to respect, you know, and all that connotation. We've kind of right. lost what the intention, you know, again, it's an intention. And And you'll also get a different kind of horse. Some horses that have a lot of anxiety, and I'm going to get to that kind of horse where they have been pushed in their training. They don't know exactly what you want. They want repetition. Please let them do 10 circles. You'll see that the more you do, the more they relax, the looser they get, the more comfortable they are. Well, that's a totally different thing. Then then they, they need it. So this is just... These are just things to have in the back of your mind. And I realize what I can do, I will turn this into a checklist and I will post it on my blog on my website. Perfect. Okay. So let me figure out how do I send that? I sent that message. Good. Okay. Um, let's see. Where are we? Okay. Energy sensitive. This is a whole nother category. I have talked to owners who say to me, why does he nip me? Why is he always pushing at me? Um, why? Uh, yeah, does he nudge me? And I ask the horse and they say, well, sometimes she stares off to into space and worries. And I'm here to get her to say, no, 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 we can have fun. We can do this. We can do that. And um, they are very, some horses will not care how you're feeling, what you're thinking, what energy you bring to the table. And that's great, but some do. So try to notice if you've got a nudgy horse, are there certain times when they do it? Um, and is it when you're anxious, depressed, distracted? A lot of times they'll, um, 
that's another thing about cross ties that I want to mention is you've got horses in a social barn. People put their horses on cross tie and then they get into a half hour conversation with someone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it, and honestly, you're, if you have a horse that has experienced that, then if you put them on cross ties and you start to seem distracted, they're going to get worried because they've been, I, 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 it, it's just, that's not how I recommend using cross ties at all. If you're going to have a conversation, put them back in their stall, take that saddle off for many reasons that I, that too many to go into about how, you know, you have a horse standing on concrete for long enough. They just cannot, when they can't move, they're so uncomfortable. And um, so, okay. Um, so I talked about energy sensitive and they're sensitive to we, again, the consonants and the dissonance. So if you feel like your horse is not reacting the way you want them to, and you think that they're energy sensitive, check yourself. If you're really hundred percent feeling really good deep down, then it's not you. But if all of a sudden you realize, oh yeah, my grandmother's sick, I'm sick with worry, my stomach hurts, but I'm not letting myself feel it. And I'm trying to say, hey, honey, how are you? Um, that's something that puts horses off. It makes them feel dancy and worried and they, they some horses. I'm just saying that's a category. All right. Um, I wanna go to detective work on the history. Are, am I just, are we good? I don't know, oh, we're yeah, two. Okay, keep going. Okay, I got a, I got a few more things. Um, I wanna go to abuse. There are certain signs that I think are worthy of mention. Um, horses that have a fear of confinement. I sometimes will have a client say, I just, I don't get why he's not happy in his stall. Why if people approach, is he? And the stories are hard to take. So it's a reality that this sometimes happens where, you know, I go down that road and there was someone that, I, I don't need to get into details, but things happen to horses. And so that's just something, how are they when they're tied up, um, when they're in their stall, those would be the things. Um, there are horses with a fear of a type of person. So might be afraid of men shut down horses, you'll only see their muscles get really tight. Um, but worth being doing the detective work, smell of alcohol is a major one that we don't even notice what it smells like that someone had a ton to drink the night before and they're coming into the barn and the horse can smell it on them and we can't. But when I'm talking to a horse, that alcohol smell will be very vivid for me. Hmm. So um, another one is they won't lay down. If you get a horse that will not sleep, can, does not feel relaxed. All those things are just information and there's things you can do to work on it. Um, and I would say mostly sending information. So with all of it, if you notice your horse has any of those type of issues, you then send a story in your mind. I know everyone who comes into this barn, I don't care how they smell, they will never touch you right? You will never be hit when you're in this stall. Um, anything that you notice, just try to close. That you have full control. What? That requires that you have full control. I think it's worth, and this is maybe an ethical issue, but the, the chances that someone's going to come at your horse with a pitchfork, which is what they may be afraid of, 
are low enough that you could probably say like, and especially if you know the people in your barn or it's your backyard horse, these are new horses that people are getting. You, they don't know. No, but my point, my point yeah. is if, as long as you know, personally, everyone who's going to handle that horse, you can send that message. But what if it's a large barn where you don't know all the help? Yeah, then I think it's an individual issue. You know, everyone has to so it just goes back to how do, how would you phrase it? And um, what I'm saying, it's like, what if they get new barn people and that horse doesn't know the new barn person and neither do you. Um, I, it just goes back to that. Uh, when we talked about making a statement that you can. Uphold. Yes. Yes. Right. And, and that's so a very good point of the person who's in a large barn where there might be turnover of help there might, there might be someone that you don't. And this is sadly, you know, sometimes you, I, I, and I know this from a personal experience, I took over managing a barn and I had a, a horse come up lame. And what I didn't know was that the assistant was turning the horse loose in the indoor and having her dog chase it. Oh my God. Yeah. And I only found out because the quiet stall mucker one day took me aside and told me so my, my point being here is that when, when it's our barn, when we know all the people, we have that kind of control. And maybe it's really important if you have a horse that's that anxious in a stall that you really consider where you board them if you have to board them. That's right. So that you can be consistent with that statement. And let me give you an example. Horses that are afraid of being tied up. Now, typically they'll let you tie them up some of them, you know, but they tell me that they go into a state of freeze. They've been there, they've been left for hours at a time, no water, no food in the hot sun. They just dig in and they have no life in their eyes and they stand there. One remedy is you, if you need to tie them up, you tie them up and you show them five minutes, like this is where I'm going and I will be right back. And if you do that enough, they will start to trust you. They would probably trust you over time anyway, but putting, sending that message to them and visualizing what's coming will help. Same with cross ties. So if you have a horse, again, that's been on them for ages and they go blank when you put them on or they start to really get worried, you, you just show them, I'm going to get the saddle and I'll be back. And it will cut down on that whole adjustment time. Okay? So that's what I'm trying to say is any way that you can use this information to your advantage and to the horse's advantage. A whole nother thing Oh, some Janelle has an idea. Yeah. Yes. So she says maybe just acknowledging to the horse that you are aware and paying attention to what your horse will be experiencing in the new environment could be helpful, even if you can't guarantee it. And yeah, and that's that my only caveat there was that you if you say I will, I will, you know, you'll be totally safe, but you don't have total control. That's right. You could you could set them up to not trust because you said, and that didn't happen. So that's right. all I'm saying is we have to really be, uh, 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 what's the word for it? Authentic. Yeah. <laughs> I have a couple more. Yeah. Train too fast. You'd be amazed the performance horses I talk to that tell me the reason they're acting up is because they never really had the time to lick and chew and be confident in those basic things. So you, if you get a horse where you've been told, oh, they've been taken to this level or they know all of this, but as what I would say characterizes them is you start to ride and they seem fine, but over the, the riding time, they get more and more ang 
anxious, um, that would be a horse if you could just take them back to the basics, even just mount them and let them stand there and then lead them to the right and stop, lead them to the left. Everything just saying, yes, you've got this. Just check out because a lot of the really smart, talented horses, they can kind of fake it, but they don't feel confident in it because yeah. they've been taken along so fast. Okay. And that's an easy that's thing. That's actually a really, really big one. It's they're, big. They're, um, so many horses have holes in them because they haven't been clear on what's being asked and they're and they, and you can hurry them into a movement yes um but they don't understand it that's it thank you well put yeah and if you just let them relearn it doesn't take very long they're not asking for take me out of work they're saying can we just spend a couple days taking things super slow and then we can go back to this right let's just take it apart let's stop in between and let me think about it. And then we can go right back. These are not horses that don't want to work, right? They just can't manage the anxiety. Um, all right, cart horse. There's a whole pattern of horses, a set of horses that have a cart horse pattern. And owners don't always know that their horse has been a cart horse. But I would say um, one thing you can do is just shake a halter behind them because it makes that harness sound and watch how they respond for the little responses. I'm not saying they're gonna run away, but let me back up and say all different kinds of cart horses. Some cart horses have great memories of their experience, but there is a fair number, at least in the Northeast that we get that have been in carts with a learned helplessness where no matter how far and fast they go, there's still a crop the minute they falter and some of them have lameness issues or soreness and they're still so for them, if you shake the halter, they get real tight. Any reminder of the harness situation, it's a, a, an association. Um, another thing you can do is just hold a driving whip high, a lunging whip high behind them and see. Now I'm not saying terrify them, you do it slowly and at a distance and see, but that alone can tell you a lot about whether they've had that setback, that feeling and inside themselves of helplessness. They sometimes you'll get horses with a real fear of peripheral vision. If they've had blinders, they've, they've never had, had blinders. Yeah. And so they just haven't had a chance to look around. They don't try to look around when you're riding them, but they're scared anyway, because it's all new. Um, they, okay. And this is an interesting one. You and I have talked about freeze, but you can get freeze at a trot. Oh, so with a horse like that. They have this fast, some people say, oh, she just motors right along. Do, 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 right? Well, no, that's, that's just, she's going into, what do you want? What do you want? Okay, I'll just keep a really fast rhythmic pace and maybe you won't hit me. Even if you're on that horse's back, that's experience when I'm feeling into it with them. And then the beautiful thing is I get to say, oh, no, 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 we're looking for a soft trot, right? We're looking for a slow, supple trot. We're not going to do miles of this. And all of a sudden the owner will say, oh, now she's breathing. So if you are getting a new horse, these are just things to double check because then you'll know how you want to help them feel more comfortable. And, and you know, sad, sadly, horses don't come with good histories. Right. You know, right. it's um, so often you'll get a horse, if it's passed through a couple of people, 
you don't know where it came from, what it's uh, Childhood was childhood, fullhood was like um, how it was start, where it was started, you know how, what discipline it was in, um, and that's unfortunate that we don't have sort of a a record to go with the horses so that we know we can track. Now the thoroughbreds are tattooed, so you can track them back to a certain degree and find out things um, if they've raced. If they haven't raced, they don't have a tattoo. So. Um, but so many horses, we don't know that they were a cart horse, right? And a lot of, if they That's fail I mean. a cart horse, they're going to get sold as a riding horse. <laughs> um, That's right. And this will really give you a place to start. Yeah. Okay. Neglect. I have horses that are unusually anxious when their toes start to get long, when their teeth start to get long, when they have an empty feed bucket, when there's no or low water or when there's dirty water, they don't know if they're gonna, if this is gonna continue and if they're gonna be back in a place where they're not gonna get care. So very important to think about if you know anything about your history, if especially if you get a rescue that didn't look good in the beginning, I would stay really stay on those things, right? They're overly sensitive to it. And after you've had them for a year and they've had regular care and they see that there's a rhythm and that if the water is empty, it's, it's, it's ready to be filled again, that will go away, but it's really hard at first on the horses. It creates another level of stress. So um, that's one thing. Um, unwillingness to eat in front of you or other horses um, that really shouldn't be in, a, in, in neglect, it's more abuse, but um, that's a whole nother thing. There are a subset of owners who um, eating isn't a safe place. I'll say that, you know, when the horse has been eating, bad things happen to them. And so um, just consider that. And you need to have extra care, sending your horse lots of love, letting them know it's okay to eat. You will always have food. Nothing bad happens afterward. And you may even have to give them special treats after they've eaten to show them, you know, here's an apple after you've eaten, not a, not a smack. It's just a weird thing that I've come across. Um, then to the fun stuff, some more fun which is, we talked about dancing. I also run into horses that love music. I had one horse that uh, was out in Martha's Vineyard and she said to me, my mom listens to this tinny noise in her, in her head and I, and I want, and she sings and I want her to let me listen. And so the woman actually got a speaker for her phone and put it in her pocket. And the two of them, and she said, the horse started moving to the rhythm. I have, um, I mentioned Jasper again. He's one that will stop when you're leading him. He'll all of a sudden just freeze and not want to go forward. If you sing, he'll walk on. He loves being sung to. It, it just puts him into a rhythm. So there is a, that category of music that has been fun to find out, um, find in horses, dancing, music, singing, the some things with Liberty, I showed on one of the webinars, uh, Will, that that a uh, Pam's horse, Pam uh, and Hank. Oh yeah. And yeah. Will was in the indoor and they gave him a ball. 
he said to me, I want to play with a ball. And we have that wonderful video of him all of a sudden coming alive, a horse that was shut down and playing with that ball and kicking it and playing soccer and hitting it to Hank, right? So um, you can look at props, just put stuff out there, put out a stuffed animal, put out a hula hoop, see if your horse really likes to play with a ball, a toy, because it's a whole nother way of them wanting to relate to people, but also just being able to blow off steam. And it may be something that was in their environment before. Let me see, I'm getting to the end. I had a little donkey who told me that his biggest pride is jumping Cavalettis. And I asked the owner and cause I couldn't see any Cavalettis around. She said, oh yeah, that's the thing we're doing. She took me around the corner and there were the Cavalettis that the donkey jumps over. So keep in mind that you might wanna let your horse, these are all Liberty stuff where you might wanna go run and jump over a jump and see if your horse follows you. I have had that experience and they will, they will tag along after and go over anything you want to. So there's all these ways just to have fun. So that's my list, Wendy. That's awesome. That's quite the list. <laughs> I told you, I, I texted or emailed you before saying, oh my goodness, I'm coming up with some fun stuff. I was really enjoying it. You know, but I, um, I, you have it broken down into categories, which I think is great. And you, and I, you know, if you could just, um, like you said, you're going to make a checklist and put it up on your website. Um, what's your website again? LPConnections.com. And I will send it to you. Great. Um, because there's so much in there and, um, the, a word of caution to people do not try to do all these in one session. <laughs> Um, in other words, the, the, not, the beauty of having a checklist is you can take one of the ideas and spend a few minutes with your horse with one of the ideas at a time. Um, because unlike people, horses like to keep kind of more on a, uh, a single note rather than you know playing an entire piece of music in your head. Uh, um, but each day, think about taking another point and going and seeing you know, evaluating if this is something that resonates with you and your horse. And if it doesn't resonate with you, obviously that's not one that's going to work because it needs to work for both of you. But I think there's so many choices here that it would be easy for you to come up with a few that work really well. And that's kind of the idea is finding, finding something that's going to work well and then have those small wins. Because with your newish horse, what, what they're looking for, um, you know, I know people that have gotten a new horse and then they did everything to it all at once and it colicked. It was just too much. Yeah. But if we can think of taking a little thing and seeing if we have a small win and then give that a rest and then another and see if that's a small win or that's an eh, that's yeah. fine. Um, and then you can make notes on your checklist. This is a yay, this is a nay. Um, and then just those small wins are what works. Yeah, I'll create something that yeah. makes sense that people can follow. I think that's a really fun thing. Maybe I'll write a little bit about it and then yeah. post it on the blog or something. And, and just to, I know this is a plug, but I do, I have this mini course for $40 that teaches everything people would need to know for sending and receiving information. And if anyone out there, I know we've had a year of COVID. If you need me to send you a coupon, so it's free, that's fine too. But if you feel like you want to take this further and get better at it, there is a way to do it on your own, in your private, at your own time. Um, the whole thing probably takes 45 minutes to listen to everything and there's practice. So just keep that in mind if that can be of help because 
that you and I are on a mission, Wendy, with so many others. There's like 200 of these where people are saying, you know, we love our horses. What can we do to help them? And if, if, if this moves people along a little bit and helps horses and people have these rich relationships, I'd be so psyched. Yep. And, and it's finding the little things that, that work well for you, you and your horse. And the more we can sort of, I, I think a lot of what the webinars are about is discovering what our horse's temperament is really like, and then finding the things that establish a better relationship, whether yeah. it's surefoot pads, whether it's T-touch, whether it's, you know, taking the donkey over Cavaletti's. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But finding the thing that helps us have a better relationship uh, is really what we're all looking for. Yeah. Yep. Love it. Um, yep. Somebody's saying your mini course is such a bargain and it's great. Oh, thank you, Catherine. Catherine's awesome. She's having wins. She's getting good at it. Hey, you know, and that it was that struck home to me so much because, you know, as you know, I've taken up archery recently and um, it's the small wins. It's like, like you hit the target instead of like a complete miss. It's a small win. It has a different sound. It's yeah. You know, and the more we go for the small wins as opposed to the big things. And I think so often we we want to just think we can leapfrog to the end instead of the little pieces along the way. But it's step by step. It's so true. Can I share like one little five second video? Yeah. To kind of it as a way to end. I think you can screen share because I made you co-host. Okay. If I can quickly find it. I hope I can. Um if I can't, I won't. I'll just. <laughs> okay, I'm just laughing. <laughs> I should have queued it up if I had thought, but it just so fits. I'll just describe it, which is oh, oh, I found it. Hold on. Okay, now I got a screen share. Oh boy. Oh, I know the piece. It's five seconds, but this is with that same horse that you saw on pads at the beginning who didn't want anything to do with people. And pads were a big part of, of showing him I was safe, but watch. <laughs> I think that said that just was one of those wins for me that just was such a fun moment. So maybe a good place to leave it. Awesome. Well, thank you, Laura, once again for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Um, just remember, everybody, this will be in Laura Plunkett's playlist, which you can find on the Surefoot Equine YouTube channel. So you can go back and watch all of our other webinars, which are all fantastic. And uh, of course, I've been trying to categorize webinars into different playlists so that if you are interested in a particular person or a particular topic, you can more easily find the webinars that relate to that. Um, so it's been a pleasure to have you. It's great to see you. I hope it stops snowing on the vineyard. And you I want to say one more thing. You're changing people's lives, Wendy. I run in, you know, one beautiful thing is that I've gotten a lot of incredible clients from you, from doing these and the quality of the people who love you is really something. But also they tell me they are learning so much and helping their horses because of the webinars that you're doing. It's just an incredible amount, a vast amount of good information. So thank you. Oh, I really appreciate that. Thanks. Okay. All right, everybody. Take, take care. Have a great day. Bye. Bye.